Hi guys, welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. This is Erica Smith and Nicole Carter bringing you all of the information that we are learning every single day in our journeys in personal health with our guts and also with our clients in gut health. So we've got a great episode for you today. Please listen in and share this episode with someone else you think might benefit from a little gut health love. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Trust Your Gut podcast. We're back for another great show and another cool guest in line for us today. So uh, I'm going to let Erica take the reins and, and uh, introduce our new guest. Hi, guys. Welcome back. So today we have a beautiful little lady. Her name is Holly. And I found Holly on Instagram through a doctor named Courtney Hunt. She's an OB doctor, I believe. And she speaks regarding, uh, she has a book that's probably what she's mostly known of. It's called Your uh, Spark is Light. And she claims she have found the timing of our soul entering our human body, which is pretty cool. If you haven't checked her out, go check her out. But um, she is super huge on utilizing sunlight as medicine to heal diseases in conjunction with ketosis. And I gravitated towards Holly because her stories and posts had ton of food. And anyone who listens to these podcasts or episodes or follows me on Instagram knows that I absolutely love food. I not only love to eat it, but I also love to cook it. I love to try new things and reinvent classics to make them in a way that they will love me back instead of harming me. And Holly seems very real and shows realistic expectations of her foods, which happen a lot of times they don't turn out the way we want them to, but she also shares her journey and, you know, she's very realistic and I really appreciate that in this social media space. So um, she is known in the ketosis community and in the sunlight community very well. She lives in Arizona and she even recently got featured in a magazine piece, I believe. So without further ado, Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is exciting. I'm happy to be here. So Holly, tell us a little bit and our listeners about yourself. How did you end up in the food and wellness world? Um, I, so I think I have always been ever since I was young, really just kind of intrigued with health and wellness. Um, like growing up, I was a cheerleader. I was really, you know, active and sports oriented. And then just as you kind of age and you get older and you get married and you have babies and the hormones start shifting, like things start changing. And so I think, um, just what my kids will attest, I I have five kids and, um, they will attest that I have done every fad trend, whatever you name it, I've done it. And they would always make fun of me, you know, mom's on some other kick, you know, what, what health kick is mom on now? And so they would always, you know, kind of be bummed if they'd have to drink green smoothies for a while or whatever. So I, I feel like I've always kind of gravitated towards health and wellness, but um, just getting into that late forties age range, things were shifting and not working anymore. Like the things that worked in my thirties didn't work. Um, yeah. so just kind of that evolution of, you know, trying a bunch of different things and then realizing you kind of have to change things as you get older. You just do. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. I'm I'm with you, Holly. I'm 47, mm-hmm. and I'm like right in that last couple of years, going, "What in the?" What <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I just talked about this on my stories. I think that we really can honor or should be honoring where we are in our stage of life, you know, all of, especially when you're a woman, you know, we have so many more things hormonally going on than, than men. And I don't think we honor that enough. So I appreciate you for sure bringing that up. And again, just being real about it and saying that it is, you have to address it in different ways when you um, reach certain points in your life. (laughs) So how did you get in contact with Dr. Hunt and really kind of like what brought you to her? So, um, okay. I don't remember exactly how I found her. I, I just know it was through Instagram. Um, and I do remember when it was, it was in the summer of 2020, probably about three, four months into COVID being fresh. And I just felt like something was up. There was something wrong. People were sick, sick, sick. And I just started kind of looking at that going, why are so many people so sick? And I think, you know, how you just scroll through Instagram and somehow somebody makes a comment or whatever, and you end up over on somebody else's page. I think that's how I landed there. And I started listening to her and I was equally intrigued, but also kind of mortified because like (laughs) everything that she said was like going against everything that I thought I knew about health and nutrition and how to approach, um, wellness. And so I just lurked for like probably six months. I just kept listening and I'd show up in her lives in the morning and I would, I would just listen and something was kept bringing me back. I just was like, there is something here. I don't know what it is, but I got to get to the bottom of it. So that's kind of how I found her. And, and found what sent. would you, what would you say your health status was when you found her? Were you? When, yes. When I found her, I was struggling. I was, pro- I was 30 pounds heavier. Um, my energy was non-existent. Um, I had, um, uh, probably pre, I think pre-diabetic tendencies. My blood sugar was right at that cusp of, you know, being borderline diabetic and, um, the brain fog was thick, like, and, you know, I know people talk about reading a book and how you just read the same paragraph over and over and over, and it's not sinking in and just, you know, the telltale, you know, no energy, no, no sex drive, no nothing. Like it was just, and I I just felt bad. I just felt off. Yeah. And I think that you mentioned the you know, the whole COVID and seeing all of these people being sick. And I think that it, this whole journey has sort of lifted the veil on the health of our society as a whole. Um, And really has opened the eyes to people say like you, and I'm sure many others there are like, I'm not really sure that this is the way I'm supposed to be feeling. Isn't there an alternative to this? And social media has really brought up the ability to see other people saying, no, you're not, you know, you can feel different. You can do things different and achieve a different goal. And I think it's amazing that with the changes you have done in a matter of two years, you know, you ended up from being pre-diabetic with all these symptoms, lack of sleep, lack of energy, brain fog, 
um, you know, pounds that you probably weren't able, but wanting to get rid yep. of, um, exactly. that you just have changed that through probably minimal money expenditure. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I think that she does some supplementation, but mostly it's just this thing that's so popular and we can probably talk for days, but yeah. ketosis. Yep. So were you ever practicing ketosis before? How do you maintain ketosis? Do you go in and out? What What is your your thoughts on 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 that thing ketosis that's so popular? Popular. Oh, I was triggered by keto because I had heard the horror stories. I'd had friends that have oh, you know, don't do keto, and I loved my carbs. Like I am, I make homemade bread. I am like a dessert lover. I've got a sweet tooth, so like the thought of ketosis was horrifying to me. Like, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way can't do it. But, um, and like you say, kind of this, um, this world online that everybody's got an opinion. And mm -hmm. so when I kind of listened to Dr. Hunt, the way she was selling it or showing up for it made so much sense to me. And it was, um, one of those things where it was, okay, if I just approach it slow, like I'm, I'm going to try and get into this mindset of like, I, I don't have to give up carbs forever, but I do have to dial it in for a while until I can feel better. And once I start to feel better, then I can start to reintroduce the carbs. Um, and I think people just get so into this space of, I can never have a carb again. And it's just a restrictive food mindset. And if you do have kind of a restrictive mindset around food, Keto can be, it can be really hard because a lot of people struggle with that all or nothing mentality. And, um, you know, when I first started, I just thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to start slow. I'm get this week. I'm going to give up the, the processed sugars. I will, I will start with cutting out desserts. Um, you know, my nightly thing was eating a big bowl of ice cream at night with some chocolate <laughs> chips or some syrup or whatever, you know, not thinking, oh, this isn't, you know, affecting how I feel at all. But um, that was the first thing I gave up, did that for a week. The next week it was, okay, this week I'm giving up pasta and did that for a week. The following week it was, okay, I'm going to give up bread. And then as you started to feel better, you started to realize wow, those things really do affect how I feel. And once you kind of get that payback of that hit of this is actually helping me feel better. It's so much easier to walk past the carbs and look at them and go, yeah, that's not going to make me feel good. So, um, yeah, Holly, I think you're in, you, um, are bringing up an interest, an interesting point. something that I just recently experienced because Erica knows this, that I did a candida cleanse. Mm. And, um, I think a lot of people have a psychological addiction to carbs, but I also think that there are people that have an overgrowth of candida that makes them crave sugar and carbs because I didn't really realize that I had that until after I did the candida cleanse and I just don't crave sweets or want them anymore. It's really yes. interesting. So I think that you're bringing up this really important point that a lot of people maybe not thinking of that. We have mm -hmm. different ways that our body is like craving this stuff that right. we feed, we feed into it and then it gets worse. Yep. Exactly. What I noticed too, is that what I started to eat more of is what I craved. So mm -hmm. like to let go of the sugar and you know, the, the things that were making me just crave more sugar, um, 
as I started adding more healthy fats, that's what I started craving more of. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the fact that you're, you know, as we are dealing with a microbiome, we understand that what we feed it will grow a specific bacteria and there's communication going straight from your stomach to your brain. So that's where that messaging comes from, right? So it is, although it might seem impossible at the beginning, like you said, like, oh, I can't go without bread. In fact, if you don't give that to your body, it won't be asking it. And by to your body, I mean your, your microbiome. So, so you do go in and out, but initially you did not. Initially I didn't. Uh, For me, it was my goal was getting rid of the brain fog to have more energy. Of course, everybody wants to lose a little extra weight. Like that's always, you know, in the back of everybody's brain. But um, for me, it was just like my, my brain was so Swiss cheese. And I, I, as soon as that started kind of that brain fog dissipated and I was able to lose a little bit of the weight, then I was able to kind of go, okay, now I can maybe have a fun refeed meal, you know, now every now and again. So now it's like, I, I try and stay in ketosis most of the time, but then like on the weekends, my husband and I will go out and we'll have pizza or ice cream or, you know, whatever it is that we might want. Um, and then, you know, feed refeed with the proper nutrition and nutrients with the vitamins and just have a nice fun weekend. (laughs) So (laughs) Or you're not necessarily thinking about it so much. Yeah. So the other thing that um, Dr. Hunt utilizes is sunlight. And mm-hmm. I think this is a medicine that n- not enough people use. A lot of people up in the higher altitudes are losing a lot of it because they're not exposed to it. And then our lifestyle doesn't allow them to be out you know, in the summertime when they can actually get some um, rays in order to be able to produce that vitamin D. So- mm-hmm. How in particular do you manage the sunrise and the sunset? Yes. So I did not realize how big of an impact that something like sunlight, you, we grow up kind of fearing it, you know, um, being told you're going to, you're going to burn, you're going to, you know, get cancer, all this stuff. So I kind of inherently had this fear of it initially, um, but after implementing the sunrise part. And in the very beginning, it was really hard. I, well, one, um, I wasn't sleeping at night very well. So the thought of getting up in the morning at sunrise was, was really hard to wrap my brain around. I've never been a super morning person. Like that's not been my jam. And, um, just pushing my alarm clock back a couple minutes each day to try and get it to where it aligns with when the sun comes up within two weeks of doing that, I was sleeping better. I did have to move to another bedroom for a while because my husband was snoring. (laughs) So we (laughs) sleep first, but we're, we're good. We're good now. He's actually doing it too. And he's lost weight and he is no longer snoring. So, um, but for the sunrise, yeah, the sunrise part of it, you just don't realize how something so simple, such a simple step that is free and accessible. All you have to do is go outside like it's that simple and I think people overthink it and it's like no just go outside and I'm a little weird I am like the crazy lady on my Instagram I'm always on my roof I have a ladder that I have fortunately I have a a roof that doesn't have a super high pitch but I like to go up and it's become my little meditative space in the morning so I go up and I sit on the roof and my neighbors walk by and they wave at me (laughs) oh my gosh I love it but it is (laughs) 
<laughs> and I, I think that's one of my favorite things to see on your stories. Oh yeah. And we try and get the sunset too. The, um, I feel like the sunrise is not more important, but it is, it is setting the tone for your day. So mm -hmm. I try and get sunset when we can, but, um, but the sunrise is like, it's non, it's a non-negotiable, like it has to be done. Yeah. I think that I, I've talked about sleep before, how I struggled for years after my, my child. And actually I was never a good sleeper because it was never something that we did in my family growing up. So <laughs> Um, it took me a while when I realized like when I was completely depleted of it, I was like, oh my gosh, I have got to figure this out. I cannot function. Yeah. And I tried everything under the sun, except the sun. Except and the sun. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so the sun has made the most absolute biggest difference. And in fact, for the past couple of weeks, I've been dealing with a lot of other things taxes included and have had that mentality of like I stayed you know later than I should have and I don't mm -hmm. want to get up and it is it really takes a couple of weeks to get back into that rhythm and so yeah. I'm working on that I'm going back and seeing the sun and it's amazing you don't even have to stay there for very long how long no. do you stay up it depends on what my day looks like. If I have time, um, and it's kind of funny living this lifestyle, you literally start to time your days around the sun. Like you will look at your clock and go, okay, sunrise is at this time. My son has to be at school at this time. So I got to be able to get breakfast for him before the sun actually comes up. But then as the sun shifts, you know, you're constantly manipulating your day around the sun a little bit. Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, the sunlight in the morning and the good red light that you're getting there versus your midday sunshine, which, you know, you need that too. And so it's, it's a constant like shifting of like, sometimes like I work from home and so I'm, I'm lucky that way I do um, hair. And so I can schedule my clients when I want them. And so sometimes I'll be like, oh, that's going to be my best sometime. I need about 15 minute break here. So I'll give myself a break and I'll just go outside and get my son. So That's amazing. So in the morning, do you stay five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Um, just depends on the, depends on the day, at least five, at least minimum five. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be on my roof for 30 minutes, like okay. just, just chilling, just doing a little, little meditative headspace, but typically most days, five minutes. Yeah. So I currently with, at the time it's coming out, it's a breakfast time at my household. So I do go out and I stay for five minutes, I do what you say. Okay. I, you know, wake up a little bit earlier and I have the breakfast done and I've been readjusting my morning routine because I've been missing it. And so it is, it's a constant, you have to be flexible with the sun because we have all of these other social pressures, but in order to accommodate, you can, it just takes a little bit of forethought and five minutes will do it. I mean, I can attest to that because a lot of times that's all I have and your yeah. sleep is dramatically different. Absolutely. I look at it like, you know, how you just think you flipping on a light switch in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's my light switch in the morning. Like I go outside, flip on the lights. It wakes everybody up. It, it does all the stuff. It sends the messages to your hormones, whatever. It's like, it's literally like flipping a light switch and it's free. What about, what about the rest of the day, Holly? Are you um, just kind of taking breaks whenever you can, or what do you, what's your goals during the day for sunlight? Um, I try, like, I do try and get, um, some midday sunshine for the, for the vitamin D, um, aspect of it. 
And yeah, it just really depends on like my work day and how much time I have. If I can spend five, 10 minutes outside getting some vitamin D, I will. Um, a lot of times if I have a break and it's not too hot, I'll go take my dogs for a walk. That, that's a non-negotiable either. I always walk my dogs in the morning, um, you, usually, but sometimes I don't get to that. So I'll, I'll walk them later out, you know, out in the day later. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it depends on the weather and how hot it is. And we're in Arizona, so it gets hot pretty quick. Yeah. But you just take advantage yeah. of outside when you can. I think we, we've just kind of evolved to this level of nobody goes outside. Yeah. And it makes such a huge difference in your mood. Yeah. And reinforcing here for our listeners, if you're new, that um, the sun, the sunrise rays are not exactly the same as the midday rays. And that's why there's this differentiation or we're asking Holly, what is she's, she's doing throughout the day? Because the importance of that sunrise is that you're specifically getting this red light uh, that is major for your circadian rhythms to sync. You get that, your eyes see it, and that sends messages to, lo and behold, your gut microbiome to set all of your hormone release and all of that. So it is medicine for your gut microbiome. It is information for your gut microbiome to do what it needs to do. And then that midday uh, light that we always are scared of, uh, it doesn't really have to be midday, but the sun I believe has to be 30 degrees above Mm -hmm. the the horizon in order for you to get the full rays. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it actually utilizes the cholesterol in your skin, the LDL, the bad cholesterol, quote unquote, and it turns it into vitamin D usable in your body. And vitamin D is used for so many processes. So you want to turn that, you get the benefit of the vitamin D and you get the benefit of reducing your actual cholesterol again, free of charge. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) And, and with that, Midday sun, I did use, I, I grew up with the nickname of Casper, shark bait. I white, white, white. I mean, kids made fun of me. That will stick forever. But when I first started out, I, you know, I, I got the D-Minder app and I just eased into it. And earlier times of the day, like you said, when the sun is, you know, a little lower, so the UV index isn't as high, two minutes is what I could start with. Two minutes wow. of I mean, I was white. <laughs> so, oh, wait, do you wear sunscreen? I do not. I have given up the sunscreen. Do not tell my brother-in-law. He's a dermatologist. <laughs> he's a dermatological surgeon. Like he removes skin cancers on people. But here's the good news. I did have him do a once over on me. And since I've been doing all this, I do not have any worry spots, like no pre-cancers. Good. So yeah. it's, it's safe. It's safe, safe sun exposure. Of course, you don't want to overdo it. You know, the sun right. can so you have to be careful. And I think that D-Minder tool is so helpful because you can plug in your information and where you're at. And it literally will tell you how long you should stay out. And so every time I would go out, I would increase it just a little bit more, a little bit more. I am now to the point where I can stay out probably two hours in midday sun and not burn. I have not mm-hmm. had sunburn since starting this, which is That's huge. Interesting. Yeah. I think it also is related to what you eat. I know that, um, while on the carnivore diet, a lot of people don't burn, they just yeah. get tan and I'm super tan, but I also, um, I do wear sunscreen on my face and chest and my neck because yeah. vanity, right? That's, 
say that's the only exception. And I wear a hat. I, I do wear like a mineral sunscreen based makeup or whatever. Yeah. And I, like, you know, you don't want the wrinkles and things like that, right. but you know, yeah. your body need, it needs the sunlight. So I don't want to have leather skin, but I want right. to have just enough so that it, the, the sun is doing what it needs to do. So, yeah. Or maybe tan the areas that are, you know, less visible, tan your butt right. or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's what bronzer is for. You just use a little bronzer on your face. There you go. I like that. Yeah. I have gone completely off sunblock. I do hats and shades and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. um, actually, Nadi, I've actually gone off wearing sunglasses now as well, yeah. ever since I've yeah. been using sunlight. Uh, I don't need it. I don't need mm -hmm. it unless I'm watching soccer and the sun is rising yeah. for the kids. Then, you know, I do protect them. But for the yeah. most part, I don't even use the sunglasses, which is crazy because yeah. I'm in Florida. I mean, the sunshine yeah. state. So, right. Isn't it interesting how, like, if you ask people, and of course, if you go to some government websites, they're going to say sunscreen, sun protection, eye protection. So basically hide from the sun. Right. And, um, I think there's a really interesting thing here where, you know, Dr. Hun is talking about all of the healing properties and the government talks about like the dangers and that's it. So it's mm -hmm. kind of interesting that there's two polar opposites there because yeah. um, it can't be both. So somebody's yeah. wrong, right? Yeah. yeah. This is always somewhere in the middle. That's it's there's both. It's it's a yeah. yes, like not a either or. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that one of the things they talk about, and and you were aware of this, and that's why you entered probably ketosis and stayed on ketosis, was because you were carrying extra uh, extra glucose attached to all of your red blood cells. So yeah. when we have all of that extra sugar in our bodies, uh, your glycation is going to happen a lot faster. And so you get ages, advanced mm -hmm. glycation, um, and you get wrinkles, you get sunspots, you get all of these things. So reducing that by being in a state of maybe ketosis or not eating as many of the dirty carbs, as we call them, will reduce the possibility of cancer showing up, um, wrinkles, like I said, those age spots and things like that. But, you know, the, in the medical field, you can't really tell somebody in order for you to be in the sun, you're going to have to go on ketosis because that's not what really people are going to do. So it's much easier to just say, just slather on the sunblock. I, I look at sunblock as a Tylenol or a diabetic pill, or yep. it is the quick fix. It is the you don't have to deal with anything else. All you have to do is put sunblock and just continue to live your life. It's okay. Yep. Yep. Don't address the sun as something that is medicinal or it can be dangerous. Or it is still a very, it's a star with a lot of radiation exposure. So you do have to look at that. And I love the D-Minder. Maybe we can link it in the show notes, Nicole. It is a great thing to download, especially if you're starting out to make sure that you're not overexposed because you will burn for sure. Yep. Especially if you're heavy and you're eating carbs and yep. all those things, you're not going to enjoy the sun. Yep. Yep. But Holly, what, what are like, um, obviously you said sleep. I mean, what benefits do you attribute to the sun in particular? I know we're talking about ketosis and different things, yep. but do you feel like there's some things that stand out for you just regarding the sun? Uh, for sure. My mood, like I didn't realize how, like, how connected just being outdoors and getting either morning sunshine, you know, or a little midday, it, 
makes such a huge difference on my mood. I, I actually have been able to, I had quite the history of depression, anxiety growing up. Um, I had been on Zoloft antidepressant for probably 25 years. I am no longer wow. on it. And Amazing. so like, for, it was a mood state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it affects you in ways you don't realize until you don't have it. Right. And, <laughs> and then, then I'm sure that, yeah. Plus changing your diet probably did a, a wonders oh, for your gut. And we know yep. the gut is, you know, really the gut brain axis. You're going to get that, uh, emotional problems. If your gut's a mess, that's amazing. I love hearing that. And would you say that like your weight, your weight loss is, you know, enhanced by the sun or I know you're doing the ketosis, but do you feel like that's really made a huge difference? I do think the sun plays a big role in that. I think it, I think it's just this, this big puzzle piece that where, you know, you have your ketosis, you have sunshine, you have sleep, you have nutrition, yeah, um, vitamins, food, whatever, they all play a role. And if you take any one piece of those out, sure, you're still going to get, you know, results. But I think when you tie all of it together, it is like the ultimate package. It's you almost feel like you have tapped into like the fountain of youth because <laughs> I had no idea what I was missing. Like I, you don't know how good you can feel until you feel that good. And then you realize how bad you felt before. And I think we tend to normalize feeling bad when we should normalize feeling good. Like people just uh, yeah, definitely. are always not feeling good. And that's not normal. We shouldn't yeah, 100%. feel a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think we say this on the podcast often that, um, you just don't know how bad you felt until you felt good. Yep. And, and yeah. there's no way to explain that. You can tell yeah. me you eat well and you, you feel all right. And all of a sudden you start making two to three changes, especially with the sunlight and the diet mm-hmm. and your gut microbiome, all of a sudden, like you said, it rejuvenates itself and you feel at least 10 years younger. You might not look 10 years younger, but pretty but you quickly you start mm-hmm. feeling 10 years younger. It is amazing. Amazing. Yep. It is the fountain of youth yep. for sure. So we've said that already you, you try to go and see the sunrise and you climb up your, your roof to see that and sunset yep. as much as you can. And you do a little bit of in between the day. What yep. else do you try and fit in the day? What else is in as part of Holly's day? Like a day, like what a typical day would look like for me. Mm-hmm. So it would be sunrise. Absolutely. Um, get the, my, I have one left at home, get him off to school. Um, usually I walk my dogs. I try and get that in, in the morning. I walk two miles with them. Um, just at a nice brisk, you know, pace. And then depending on what my day has ahead of me, if I have a lot of clients or just whatever, I will try and get in like a, maybe a 20 or a 30 minute hit workout. Um, I am a big fan of free YouTube videos. There's so much out there for free. I don't want to have to spend extra money on anything. And so without free. So I find a couple of different YouTube channels that I follow a couple hit workouts. Sometimes I, you know, I add in weights or it just depends on what mood I'm in. I don't really follow a program. Um, and then, uh, like I, I'm typically not point. I'm not a huge breakfast eater. So I guess it would be kind of like an intermittent fasting ish. I've never been a huge breakfast eater. When I did start out with Dr. Hunt, she did want me to eat breakfast, mm-hmm. um, 
starting out so that my body could get used to fat and burning fat for fuel. Um, and I did do that right. You know, in the very beginning did that. And then after a while, it just kind of naturally gets to this point where you're just not hungry. And so you're not, I I don't, I'm, I'm more intuitive that way. I don't want to feed my body if my body doesn't want to eat, like I don't want to force feed it. So, so I'm at the point now where it's my morning is just, um, I'll exercise I go get my coffee. I put um, some heavy cream and MCT in it. And that's usually my breakfast that will tide me over. And then I don't eat lunch until, you know, 12 or one. Um, And I'll do just a typical ketogenic meal. Usually it's really simple. I I know I do post a lot of stuff on my um, feed of recipes and things like that, but that's not the common thing. The common thing is to grab a couple hard boiled eggs, some string cheese and a pack of all, you know, almonds or some olives or something like that. Um, okay. so easy, easy, easy. Uh, and then, uh, sometimes I'll play in the kitchen with new recipes if I have time or I'm working on clients and then I make dinner for the family. Um, my husband is now eating this way. He's lost 30 pounds. My teenage son will eat this way. He's, to, he's a swimmer. So he does, he can tolerate um, a lot more carbs. So he, he mm-hmm. kind of rolls his eyes at, at what <laughs> we eat, but most of the time he's, he's eating pretty much the same, same stuff that we are. Um, but then you try and get the sunset in and get to bed at a reasonable hour. I stopped eating um, three to four hours before bed. That was one of the things that I changed early on was, okay, no eating after sunset that made a huge difference too. I didn't realize how much of an impact that had on my sleep um, until actually till I got an aura ring and started tracking, which I know that you don't have to have it, but I like, I like the data. I like to get the feedback. I didn't realize how much eating late really impacts your sleep. And so that was one of the first things to go was, okay, I'm just going to drink water or have some tea, you know, after dinner and nothing before bed. And then it's just rinse and repeat. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Very good. No, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I think once you get into your routine, I think probably where, um, maybe there's a, a difference in, uh, for me specifically is that we, I would more focus on, you know, I don't know what the quality of the meats you're doing, if you're doing grass fed only. Um, and then I don't do a lot of the lactose stuff. Mm-hmm. I try to do more fermented. So I focus more on fibers. Uh, I, I do consider lectins. So I remove mm-hmm. those as much as I can. And um, what was the other thing? I, I still with the carbs, I'm not, I don't hundred percent shut down with the carbs. Although I prob, I'm pretty low and I do clean carbs. So it's more, the carbs are coming more from vegetables, right? right. So in, in order to get the, the actual fiber yep. in there. How about you, Nicole? How are you doing with carbs and ketosis? Where are you sitting? Yeah, I, you know, I haven't checked my glucose in a very long time, but I typically follow pretty much a animal-based diet and mostly, you know, beef, um, pork, chicken, lamb. I, I do buy a lot of pasture raised. I love primal pastures. Um, I'll put a code down below for a discount, but um, I, I try to buy as much as that as possible. And I don't, do a lot of dairy. Um, and the eggs are kind of, they seem to bug me unless I have something else with it. So, um, that's typically my diet. I don't eat much, uh, plant foods at all. And then, you know, except for like when I do need, I'll tell you what I do. It's basically artichoke hearts, 
Um, I love those. I live in California. Obviously, we all eat them. Um, and avocados is a California thing. And then I will occasionally have some asparagus, things that have good prebiotic fiber. Um, and when I have trouble sleeping, so typically I don't eat a whole lot of carbs, but when I have problems sleeping or have anxiety, which I've been finding, I'm, you know, entering this perimenopausal nonsense, um, <laughs> the, the carbs <laughs> help me. And so like the other night I was having problems sleeping and I ate a banana and I went to sleep. So I will use them. I'm not afraid of them. I just don't eat them very much. I get most of my nutrition from, you know, animal-based foods. Like I was just sitting here drinking uh, oxtail broth as we were talking. So that's kind of um, where I'm at. So Erica and I, in case you haven't noticed, we both are focusing on gut health. We come from a little bit different perspective. I had a history of colitis. So I like a little, I kind of got away from plants entirely. And now right. I'm using them when I need to. I, I think right. they're, you know, fun and <laughs> and I like fruit I went a little too crazy on the fruit for a while but um yeah I don't know I just think I think there's a lot of different ways to do it that can work so I'm not I'm not a person that feels like there's one way for everybody and is very dogmatic I actually really avoid that but yep, I love to see the yeah I love to see the different variations of the ways that people are being successful because I do think that there's quite a few ways to do it and you're obviously being you're obviously very successful with what's what you're doing and it's working for you. So thanks so much for coming and sharing your story. It's really interesting. We try to interview people that have expertise in certain areas or that, you know, have a passion for something. And we've just now said, we need to hear from people that are just living it, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Expertise. <laughs> I'm like, I'm expert. Well, you do, you got the expert on you. It's just, you got the expert on you. It is practical application. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not an exercise trainer, anything like that. It's literally just implementing, like taking the yeah. steps. And I totally agree with, with what you're saying. Anytime you get too off into the extremes, that's dangerous. And I think that everybody, you have to find what works for you. And what works for me is not going to be the same thing that works for the next person. So I think you have to be really careful with going, well, I'm going to do exactly what that person is doing because yeah. it works for them. Everybody's makeup is different. And so it, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, okay, that food didn't make me feel good. Maybe I need to eliminate it for a while or whatever. I, fortunately I've been lucky, not, not a lot of stuff bothers me. So I've, I've been pretty lucky and I'm open to, you know, eating whatever, but I think it's, it's really important to learn how to make the food work for you and not against you. Like you, like you did with the banana, like yeah. perfect example. You have to make yeah. it work for. You. Yeah, I agree. Ladies. I love the fact that we have such a variety of um, people coming onto our show because we are all doing the best that we can. We're gathering up a lot of knowledge for you guys and you guys can be directed to whatever you feel is going to help you the most and try things out, like Holly said, because you never know. And always, always honor where you start, where you're starting from, where you want to go and the stage of life that you are in, because we keep talking about perimenopause and it's a real thing. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> now, physiologically, after we go through menopause, we will be much closer to men, but trying to address our physiology right now, like men is completely bonkers, in my mm -hmm. opinion, there's just, we are just not built the same. 
maybe after menopause, we can address that a little bit different. But for all you girls out there, if there's anybody that's younger and you are still rearing children and you're, you're breast, somebody approached me recently and asked me how they should um, OMAD and fast while breastfeeding. And I'm like, what? You should. <laughs> yeah. No. How about eat more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you think you've had enough, just eat more. <laughs> So what do you want to leave our listeners with? Maybe three things you want to leave them with. Um, okay. Three things. Um, I think the first one would be don't overthink it. Like we really tend to, our minds want to make things so complex and we're so into doing things the right way that it's so easy to get into those extremes. Like you talked about, just don't overthink it. Don't make things harder than they need to be. I know when I first started, it was like, okay, what kind of bacon do I have to buy? Um, how, you know, can I see the sun? If, if it's through the trees, does it count? It's like, just simplify everything, take it to the very, very basics and just change one or two things at a time. Get good at those one or two things, layer it in, build your foundation, then go to the next level. So don't overcomplicate things. Um, I would say point two would be consistency over perfection. Um, I think that we tend to want to do things perfectly. It's that brain thing, you know, in our society, we have to be great at everything. Um, we're not, you're going to fail. You're going to (laughs) fall off. You're going to screw up and it's okay if you just get back on. And the, as long as the consistency part, you know, outweighs everything else, you'll get there. Um, so I think that would be point two, um, point three, I think for me would be, you absolutely have to believe in yourself. And if you don't have that component, it's going to be so much harder. Like I, I, I really do feel like, I know it's the woo woo part, but visualizing and seeing yourself well, and trying to embrace the feelings of what it would feel like to go out and buy the bikini that you want to wear or whatever, you know, you have to embrace those emotions because those emotions are going to help you make the choices that are going to get you to where you want to be. And so when, when you believe it, you are much more likely to implement the steps and the implementing is the hardest part. Like that is we can talk about it all day long, but you gotta, you gotta apply the steps. And if you don't yeah. do it and the change. So I think just believe in yourself that you can do it. Like it can be done. So I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I have one last question. Okay. I, we talk about gut microbiome and the fact that it has a direct link to our brain and therefore, uh, emotional, uh, stable, stabilizing your mood and all that is so important. And you, you've mentioned how you're no longer taking uh, mood stabilizers, but I like to make sure that people out there are knowing that there is a very, very simple way to affect your gut microbiome. And is by just feeling happy and releasing those hormones. And we do that by laughing very easily. So what is the one thing that makes you laugh uncontrollably? My kids, my kids. (laughs) My kids and my granddaughter, I have a granddaughter who's two and a half. Anytime you put her in front of me, she will make me crack up. Like she's hysterical. And my kids are just fun. I, I have, they're all mostly adults now. And we've always had such a good 
fun time growing up, you know, and I, I've never hated raising teenagers or anything like that. Yeah, they come with challenges, but they will always make me laugh. Always, always. <laughs> guaranteed. I love, love that. that. I love that. I don't know, guys, if you're not following Holly on Instagram, you should. She, first of all, does not look like a grandmother. I'm just going to put that out there. Her guns are like something to hashtag goals and uh, very, very motivational. I love seeing people doing good for themselves. Thank you so very much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. What a treat. It's been a joy. Thank you.